Well, good morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. We've been working our way through the book of Mark, but I want to press pause on that for today to celebrate and honor motherhood on this Mother's Day. And I've got the honor and privilege of having my mother here with me. You know, Dad made the trip too, but you can pray for Dad. His name's Jim, and he, his back did something nasty this morning. He's at home in a lot of pain, can't even move. So you can pray for my dad, Jim. He'd appreciate that. Um, I've got my mother here today, and this message was really inspired by, you know, my mom as a mother and, and Katie, who is, is just a wonderful mother. And I just really felt led by the Lord this week, and as I was thinking of preaching, you know, to preach this message and to really spend some time honoring, honoring mothers today. My aim in this sermon is to honor and encourage motherhood, and in this way, to glorify Jesus Christ who designed it. He created it, and he blessed it. Jesus did this by his incarnation in Mary's womb as the very Son of God. And then at the end of his life, he spoke these words in the midst of his immense suffering on that cross that we just sang about. He said to the disciple John, John, behold your mother. That's in John 19, 27. And it was a beautiful act of final care for his mother, Mary. So in magnifying motherhood, I mean to magnify the name of Jesus. That's what we're about here at Living Hope. It's all about him. Jesus designed motherhood. He created it. He got inside of it. And he blessed it. And I want mothers to be honored, and I want them to honor Jesus. And there are really three aspects of motherhood uh, that I want to commend in this message. Three commitments involving great selflessness to see them through. I want to honor and commend the biblical calling on a woman's life to weave a fabric of family life out of commitment to a husband and his calling. And commitment to her children and their training and commitment to Christ and his glory. In other words, I want to honor the biblical calling that makes marriage, motherhood, and homemaking in the context of radical Christian discipleship the central core and dominant commitments of a woman's life. My aim is to encourage the women who believe that God's call on your life is marriage, the joyful support of a husband and his calling as you display what the relationship between Christ and the church looks like. And motherhood, the transmission of a God-centered, Christ-treasuring vision of life to your children. And homemaking, the creation of a beautiful and simple place that is a living organism called a home, which becomes not only for the family, but also for the community as a whole, 
becomes a refuge of Christ's peace and a launching pad for God's righteousness. This is your calling. It's what you believe in the depths of your soul that you should give yourself to. And I'm eager to honor and encourage you today, mothers. I want to encourage you women who feel this calling with this message because you're not going to get this encouragement from the world. You're not going to get the honor you deserve from the secular world. The world doesn't know a thing about what I'm talking about and does not appreciate it or honor it. The world doesn't understand marriage is a parable of Christ and his church. The world doesn't understand motherhood as the life-on-life -life transmission of a God-centered, Christ-treasuring worldview. The world doesn't understand homemaking as the creation of a living organism that nurtures the peace of Christ and the righteousness of God. The world does not understand these things at all and therefore does not honor them. Motherhood is a very high and holy and crucial calling that many of you embrace with a little understanding or any encouragement from the world. You are the ones, mothers, who have heard the words of Titus 2, 4, and 5, not as oppressive, but as liberating words. When Paul said to Titus that the older women should train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You believe this to be true. You believe these words, and you love these words. They are liberating to you, not oppressive to you. You are the ones who have heard Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, the picture of a family and a marriage, as the calling of your life. When Paul writes this in Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Then he talks about husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, husbands. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, and he quotes the Genesis creation account, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. 
this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You have heard this calling of marriage as the picture of Christ and his church, and you have heard it as rich and deep and precious and high and holy and confirming your heart's longings and as absolutely essential for the shaping of a God-centered, Christ-exalting church and culture. And so to you, I direct this message as a, as a word of honor and encouragement. And I want to look deeper into the text of 2 Timothy chapter 3 right now. So you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It provides an illustration and living example. A living example of how powerful this kind of motherhood is and the impact that it has on this lost and dying world that is so desperately looking for hope. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10. <clears throat> it says this, You, however... This is Paul writing to Timothy. Have followed my teaching, my conduct, and my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I have endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, here's where I want us to really dig in here, verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul's writing to his beloved son in the faith to encourage him in his ministry and walk with God. Now notice a few things here in Paul's writing to Timothy. First, notice the pattern of Timothy's life. He followed Paul's pattern of faith, patience, love, and steadfastness. Now, that alone is amazing, right? I mean, Paul is the super apostle. You know, if any of the apostles, you know, could have the super suit, it would be the apostle Paul. I mean, he's the super apostle. Amazing things God did through his faith. And so for Paul to write to Timothy and say, hey, you have followed my pattern of life? Wow, that's an honor. I mean, that's something. That's something right there. And so Timothy had, he had what it took. He had some amazing faith, patience, steadfastness, love, all of these things. He endured persecutions and sufferings for the sake of the gospel. Timothy had an amazingly strong faith in the Lord. 
and was bold for the sake of the, of the gospel. Now notice next how Timothy was able to do this. By the power of God, through the knowledge of the scriptures, which are the sacred writings, Old Testament scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's verse 15. So that's how he's able to do it. Timothy knew God's word. And, and for Paul to write it this way, Timothy probably knew it cold. I mean, Bible drill, he was probably top of the class. You know, if he, if he did Awanas or whatever, he was always the one with all the badges, right? That would be Timothy. You know, if he went through all these things, you could stand him up anywhere, chapter and verse, he's quoting it. He knows it. Probably memorized more of it than we've read, <laughs> most of us. He knows God's word cold. It's in there, in his heart, and in his mind. And so God uses that in our lives. When we know God's word, the Holy Spirit uses God's word, and that's a mega weapon against evil in this world. That is a mega nuclear weapon for righteousness in this world. When you know God's word, the Spirit uses God's word to bring changes to people's life and save souls. And so Timothy knew it. <clears throat> and it was by that power of God, through knowing God's word, that Timothy was able to live a godly life and endure the difficulties and the persecutions. He suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel. And so he knew it. Now look at verse 14. In verse 14, Paul says this, knowing from whom you learned it. Now he's talking about Eunice and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother. Knowing from whom you learned it. And there are three clues that lead us to this conclusion. First, in verse 15, Paul says, to this learning as happened from childhood. He said, you learned it from childhood. So that's a clue. Second, we see in 2 Timothy 1.5, these words. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So Paul had already connected Timothy's faith with what he got from his mother and grandmother. From his childhood, Timothy had been taught by his mother and grandmother the word of God. That's how it gets done. You don't farm that out to the Sunday school teacher. You don't outsource that to the youth director. It's done in the home by mom and dad. And I commend you, mothers, for doing that. Because I know the mothers in this room, and you're about that. You care deeply about that. And so that's how Timothy learned God's word, from mom and grandma. Now, why didn't Paul refer to Timothy's father? That's the first question I'm looking for. What, where is he? What's going on with him? Because we're pretty strong about that here in Living Hope. You know, dads, you lead the family spiritually. The Bible's very strong about that. Fathers, you're the spiritual leaders of the home. You disciple your children. So why, where was Timothy's father? What's the deal with that? Well, the answer is found in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, where Luke tells us how Paul chose Timothy in the first place as a missionary partner. It says this, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. So we've seen that. But his father was a Greek. So 
That basically means Timothy's father was unbelieving. He had a believing mother and an unbelieving father. And there are a lot of people in the world in that situation today. That's a common situation today. Mom's a believer, dad's not a believer. There are many homes where mom's a believer, dad is not, or the husband is a believer and the wife is not. The Bible's not surprised by that at all. So you who are believing, take heart. Pray for the salvation of your spouse if they're unbelieving. And love them for the sake of your marriage and the glory of God. So that's why Paul didn't say that Timothy learned the scriptures from his father, because he didn't. His father didn't believe them. But his mother and grandmother did, and that's who Paul's referring to in 2 Timothy 3.14. Now, the persons Timothy should remember are Eunice and Lois, his mother and grandmother. And remembering the character of your godly mother is a great incentive to holding fast the scriptures she taught you and not to throw away your commitment to Christ. So listen up, young people. When you struggle, and some of you were taught the scriptures by your mother, even us older ones, when you hit the hard times, when you hit the times of struggle, Paul's even mentioning here, remember what you've learned and who you learned it from. Use that as an incentive to hold fast in your faith. To hold fast in your commitment to Christ. Let's read it again, verse 14. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and had firmly believed. That is, don't give up your faith, Timothy. Don't give up the scriptures. Don't give up your salvation. Keep pressing on, Timothy, even though it's hard. And man, it was hard. I mean, we don't know what hard is in our, in our country here. I mean, these guys, they didn't know if they were going to live the next day. People come to your house, pull you out of your house, throw stones at you, take you out, throw you out for dead, leave you for dead outside the city. I mean, these people were heavily persecuted for the gospel. And so he's saying, don't, don't throw it away, Timothy. Hold fast. Keep pressing on. And then there comes these crucial words referring back to Eunice and Lois, knowing from whom you learned it. In other words, Timothy, one of the ways, not the only way, Timothy, but one of the ways to strengthen your faith and persevere through hard times and not give up on the scriptures is to remember who introduced you to the word of God and the way of salvation. Remember your mother. Remember your grandmother. Remember them. And so I hope these words give you moms some encouragement here knowing that the model of your living and the precious word of God that you are teaching to your children will make an impact to their lives as they grow older. And it will not only impact their lives, it will impact their children and their children's children for many generations. The work you are doing right now, mothers, the work you're doing right now is sowing the seeds for multi-generational faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And you're doing that right in your family. That's the work you're doing. And one day in the future, there may be thousands upon thousands of believers in Jesus who trace their family faith back to you. Wow. Now think about that. 
And when it gets hard, and it gets hard, when it gets hard, you just think about that. And you press on. And you cry out to Jesus, say, help me through this, Jesus. This, this is hard, but it's worth it. Man, it's worth it. Your tireless work as a mother today will have a lasting impact on this world for Christ for generations to come. And I, I remember reading stories of, I think it's Susanna Wesley. You know, she had all these, these boys that would just drive her absolutely crazy. She'd put blankets or towels over her head at the, the dinner table just so she could get like a cone of peace for a moment. You know, it was just craziness. But that, the Wesley, I mean, that's Susanna Wesley. John, and, uh, John Wesley and her sons became great leaders of faith in the world. We sing their hymns today. We're still feeling the impact of Susanna Wesley's motherhood on this world. And there may be people generations from now that trace that back to you, that same type of story. Be encouraged by that today. You deserve so much honor and encouragement. Now I know the discussion of motherhood can bring up hard and sorrowful feelings in many people. Some have been in abusive relationships. Some have been neglected by their mothers. So thinking of and remembering your mother can often make you deeply sad and sorrowful. I know that. And if that's the case for you, then what I'm trying to do here is point you to what could be. The example of Lois and Eunice is how it could be when you die to self, live for Christ, and pour yourself into your family for the glory of God and Jesus. This is the picture of what it could be. And for the young women who will be mothers here today, I hope you will aspire to this and make it the deep desire of your heart for the glory of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the highest calling on anyone. It's the highest calling, and it's a very holy calling. And so let's make very clear, Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, in this text, bestows on motherhood and grandmotherhood a tremendously great honor. You have a calling that can become the long-remembered ground of faith, not just for your children, mark this, but for the untold numbers who will be affected by your children their children, their communities, their children's children, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. So in addition to all the other thousands of ripple effects too, the faith that will have in your own life, you lovingly submit to and support your husband. You teach the word of God to your children. And you create a home that is beautiful and simple, a refuge of Christ's peace for the family and the community as a launching pad for God's righteousness. And that's, that's my third and final point today. When you open your home 
as a refuge in a place of God's peace for your family and the community, you create a launching pad for God's righteousness. You create a place where love and kindness and compassion and mercy flow. You create a place where people feel safe and loved. You create a place where people feel welcomed and, and not criticized. And I know it's not easy. I mean, it's hard enough to keep up with all the stuff the kid's doing, right? But you, you moms, you go the extra mile here. You, you, you not only say, yeah, I'm going to do this to my kids, but, you know, I want to make sure that my kids' friends can come over and have this kind of place where they feel safe and loved and nurtured and we can share Christ just through hospitality. That's the kind of moms you are. And it, it's work. It's not easy. You deserve honor for that today. You create a place where Jesus, where people see Jesus in your smile and in your hands of love and service. And you have a home that your children's friends remember fondly and serves as a model for how their lives and family and home could be someday. That's what you're doing when you open your home and make it a place like that in the community. You're showing them the picture of Christ in the church and what this could be when you both submit to each other and love God. And this takes effort and hard work and self-sacrifice. It requires energy and effort to clean up after all those messy friends <laughs> when your kids have their friends come over. And believe me, I understand that. But you do it, and you know you keep doing it, even though you collapse at the end of the day you're so tired and you keep doing it and you do it joyfully and for that I want to thank you and commend you and honor you so thank you mothers for your love for your service for your caring for your encouragement for your patience for your ability to listen Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for the caring hugs and being there. Thank you for laughing with us and crying with us. Thank you for your sacrifice, for your generosity, and for your strength. Thank you for being a godly mother. And I honor you today because from the depth of your soul, you want to honor and magnify the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ.